Welcome back to another episode of That's Business. Today's guest, Lana Goodrich, is the owner of LRG Creative, a company that helps small business owners create compelling content and copy to improve sales and increase their revenue. Before launching LRG Creative in 2022, she worked for 16 years in the advertising industry, creating award-winning copy and creative work for Fortune 500 clients, including Ford, GM, Kellogg, Kimberly Clark, and Thor Industries. Lana is passionate about helping female-owned businesses thrive and creating stronger brand stories through delightful writing. In her free time, she enjoys taking art classes, reading novels, and watching horror movies with her husband, Darius, and their cat, Midnight. Lana, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. But, and I want to talk about too, because this is only what, our third time meeting? Second time? Yeah, we just hit it off that fast. We did. So shout out to Amanda Sweet from Bamboo that connected us because you are so much fun. Before we dive into LRG Creative and your 16 years of badass experience with those brands, what did we want to do when we grew up? What was your childhood like? <laughs> um, as the kids say these days, uh, I did not dream of labor growing up, you know? Um, <laughs> I did read a lot of books and I have been, I started like writing little stories, you know, when I was a kid. Love that. So I think it kind of led to work, but isn't it funny that we say, what did you want to be when we really mean what work did you want to do when you grow up? Isn't it funny that we, that we say that? Yes. So like probably a princess. Right. Probably that's what I wanted to be. I don't know. Royalty. I love that. And then transitioning, become a teenager, the dreaded high school years and all. Where did you get this idea? I mean, obviously, you were a creative child that you were writing stories and reading and that brings out that creativity. But where did you find out what copy was, what writing was and that it really could be a career? Ooh, not until way later, like literally not until after college. Wow. So, yeah, this feels very old fashioned. So I graduated high school in 2001 and started college that fall and like in 2001 you could still just go to college and figure it out yes you know or like go to college and there you're like what am, what do I like I'm gonna study that it wasn't like what job will I do in this terrible world so that I can make money to live it was like go figure it out kids um and that's very very different from even when my brother went to college like five years later so kind of a, a flash point so Where'd you go to college and what were you going into college to major in? Yeah, great question. Uh, I went to Western Michigan University. I grew up in and around Kalamazoo and my mom actually worked for the public radio station for Western. So cool. Kind of got a deal on tuition. Yeah. yeah. Uh, little known fact, get a job at a university and you kids will get a deal. <laughs> yes. I just wanted to become an English major. Which is, again, one of those majors that's not really what people think of when they're like, oh, go get a good job, you know, a lucrative career. Um, yeah, I just always loved stories and reading and writing. So that's what I did. Amazing. So we graduate, get into this creative side. You have, like I said, in that bio, you gave me incredible client experience. What was that experience like, first of all? Um. It's been really varied. I mean, it's been like 17 years since I started my career. You know, when I first started out, I was working in Kalamazoo for this small digital agency called Biggs Gilmore, which no longer even exists. And they were the ones who worked on all this Kellogg work, which like I got to work on Pop-Tarts. I got to work on like Rice Krispies treats. You know what I mean? Just like fun stuff. Yeah. 
I've had the opportunity to do like a little bit of everything over the years, like digital ads to like TV, TV commercial scripts and kind of everything in between. In 2010, my husband and I moved to Detroit. So this other side of the state for his job, but also I was ready to to get out of my hometown. (laughs) And, you know, that's when I started working more in like automotive advertising for, oh my God, I think just about every uh, Detroit auto manufacturer I worked on. And do we have a favorite either, I don't want to say favorite client, but favorite subject matter that you did during that time? Yes. When I was working on Ford, I was working for an agency called GTB and they don't really exist as GTB anymore. (laughs) It's a very tumultuous industry. Yes. And I was working in a team that was called the Women's Beat. So it was sort of this content studio model where they had these different beats like technology beat, women's beat. I was working in this team where we were specifically working on creative ideas, targeting women. What do women like? How can Ford better connect with their female customers? And we got to do some really cool creative work for a few years there. That's amazing. Now, for fast forwarding, I know jumping a little bit, but 2022, you started your own business. So backtracking a little bit, where did this first thought come from that like, maybe I could do this on my own? I guess I've always sort of felt a little bit like I didn't belong in the corporate world. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way, but like literally since the first job and maybe even high school, I was like, I don't want to work in a place where there's cubicles and I have to show up from like this time to this time. And the fluorescent lighting overhead is so bad. And then I did for 16 years. Yes. Uh, work in variation. <laughs> but I think I just always felt a little constrained by the corporate world. I mean, and there are a lot of a lot of reasons why. Like as a woman, I felt constrained. As a creative, I felt constrained. In advertising, especially as a creative, there are not really a lot of people in the creative department over 50 years old and like even fewer women. Like people just get out or they're pushed out. I don't want to make it sound like it's all a choice. Yeah. So I think I've always been thinking about like, what is that exit strategy so that I don't wind up a little bit flat footed or kind of not in control of what I want to do next. And then I guess in 2022, I just developed the audacity to go for it. I don't know. A roaring back. Developing the audacity. The audacity. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You've been doing this a little over a year, which is, and congratulations, first of all, huge. But Thank you. Where, because there's so many creative people out there, it's the nature of your industry, my industry too. But what differentiates you from another creative agency or what you're specifically focused on? I really like working with smaller businesses. You know, working on big, you know, Fortune 500 companies has been great. It's been a wonderful experience, but I love the idea that I can help real people kind of further their goals. Um, whereas when you're working on a company like Ford, you're like one of hundreds, if not thousands of people sort of contributing a drop to the bucket. And again, you get to do really cool work. But when I think about like that sense of purpose in my career, I want to help real people get closer to their goals and their dreams or like do something real, you know, not just like sell a car, but like, you know, help this woman over here, get her business going because 
she needs to put her kids through college or whatever. Like I, I love the idea of actually helping like being important. So you even help people or clients that are maybe not even started like an official business even is what it's sounding like. I'm helping a couple of friends. Oh, awesome. Are, are early in their business journey. Uh, but for the most part, I think my clients are a little bit more established. Oh, that's incredible. Okay. Yeah. What is your favorite either type of project to work on or favorite aspect of your whole LRG creative here? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think a couple of things. Um, I really like working on people's websites because I think even today, even 2023, when so many people are on social, a good website is, you know, worth its weight in gold. Because you find someone on social, you can't sort through posts or filter or find the information that you're looking for. If you're like, wow, this person is really cool. I want to learn more. I think most of us still are looking for that page, that site. Like, tell me what this is. Can I afford you? You know, like, what's your angle? What's your thing? What are your qualifications? Well, I think a really well-written website is still pretty important for connecting with your customer base. There's a lot of room to play there as well. You can have a little bit more fun in your copy than a website. You can be a little cheeky. I love that you bring this up because something I never thought about, but it's true because if someone does not have a good website or a difficult to use website, me as the consumer, and I've always been this way, I will not work with you or it's going to, I'm going to be a little like, eh, maybe I want to find someone else. Or I always think about to any skilled trade companies that have amazing websites. It's an immediate like green flag for me. But with the rise of like social media, social media, social media, it is basic. Like you need a good website. You have to have one. I love that you bring that up because that's something that's not talked about. It's just like, eh, do social and you'll be fine. But you are 1000% right. Now, what other services do you offer to clients? I am still in the process of niching down, as they say, because I know that's the way to go. But I do a little bit of everything. So I have one client that I will do, you know, even print work for site copy, um, content blogs, uh, digital advertising. I have another client who I was writing some LinkedIn posts for her. And we're about to do a site audit, which is when you go through someone's entire website and you kind of say, OK, here are the opportunities that I'm seeing to make things stronger. Or here are our areas that are more confusing that I think we should like add some more content to. Um, I'm helping Amanda write her book. She's writing a plus size style book and I'm helping her do that. So I'm a little bit all over the place at the moment, but I think it's still kind of fun. Do you know what I mean? Right. You've been doing this for a year. I mean, we started off small and then we added a bunch more services. So I love and hate the whole niche down thing. Yeah. Yes, I understand. But I'm also a, you are a professional. How can I help you? Or just have my yellow pages of people I recommend. So you can grow and improve. I'm sure what you were doing when you first started is different than what you're doing now. And you got approached like by Amanda of being, hey, I can do this. And you are kicking ass with it. So I'm so excited to see it all come together. That's awesome. And I feel like as a creative, as a business owner, you have to, I don't want to say roll with the punches, but you have yeah. to keep evolving if you want to stay relevant, in my opinion. I think that's one of the biggest benefits of being a business owner. When you work for a company, uh, if you're rolling with the punches, it usually means like surviving layoffs. If you're a business owner, it's like, okay, it's time to pivot or try something new. Like I'm in control of what I try and whether or not 
I let something like keep me down or if I go in a different direction. I love that, that sense of control. 100%. Now for this next year, and I know we'll see where the wind takes all of us, but do you have anything kind of coming up or something exciting that you'd like to share with us or where are you taking the business in the next 365 days? So I'm actually working with Laura Khalil. I know you just interviewed her recently. I have just joined her Elevate Mastermind to focus on building my business out a little bit more and getting a few more like, you know, higher end clients because I kind of feel like I'm split, not split. I feel like I'm doing two different things, which is like, I love to help real people I know, my friends do their business work, which like doesn't pay because, you know, they're just getting started and I want to help them. And like, that's the joy of doing it is that I get immense satisfaction out of it. But then also you need the clients who are more established or a little bit bigger to pay your bills. So having those higher end clients helps me, you know, kind of like help Amanda write her book or like help my friend uh, Ashley, who is starting a condiment company with candied jalapenos, by the way. Very good. Saffron and salt. Shout out. Wow. Yeah. Those little pet projects. And I love talking to any creatives like yourself because you do things that I never even thought about or like starting a condiment company, like never thought of that. And I'm a big condiment gal here, like have to have sauce with everything. So I love that. Yeah. What is a business owner? And I don't want to say being newer at it because that sounds cheesy, but what do you know now that you wish you knew when you started or what are some of those kind of life lessons we'll say that you, if you could go back and tell your 18 year old self something, what would you say? That is a good one. Um, okay, I have a couple of things. One, as an 18-year-old, I think I was still very concerned with what people thought of me. And I was really nervous about putting myself out there. And that's taken a long time. I know a lot of us are people pleasers and we're all, like a lot Not, of women, we're all trying to get better at that and just doing our own thing and trusting our gut. So I think I would tell myself as an 18 year old, like, don't worry about it so much. You're going to have a beautiful life. All of these things that you're sweating are not really that significant. You know, I think I was very worried about like, will anyone ever love me? You know, or like, where am I going to wind up? What is my place in the world? And it's like, you're going to figure it out. Don't sweat things so much because things will kind of iron themselves out. You will find something. You don't need to worry so much about who am I? Where do I belong? Like it's a process that happens organically over the years and you don't need to do things to make some people happy or do other things to keep other people from being upset. Like who cares? Don't worry about that shit. And then there's a kind of a related thing. This guy that I watch on YouTube, his name is Struthless, kind of a weird name, Struthless. Um, and he says, you know, 10% of people are just going to hate you for no reason, <laughs> like no reason at all. And the example that he gave was like, if you're feeling down, <laughs> go and look at the one star reviews on Amazon for Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, because they're awful. Like this is a guy, he was an Austrian psychologist who survived the Holocaust. And while he's surviving, he's kind of taking note around him of like, what is the thing that helps some people get through this God awful experience? And some people don't make it, you know, some people just kind of give up. Uh, not that it's their fault, but, you know, like, what is the thing that helps people endure versus other people who feel like they can't? And on Amazon, there was always like some asshole who's like one star, 
this was too depressing. And you're like, can you just imagine? <laughs> it'll be like, imagine being the person at home being like, mm, the Holocaust is too depressing. So like this book sucked. No, that is, I mean, I'm a, I love, I love that. I love that. And also like, what the hell to that? But oh, it's so true. So keep going. This is one of the best selling books probably of like the last hundred years. You know what I mean? This is a book that like everybody either heard of or like your mom and dad have read it, you know, might even have been assigned to you in school. Like this is a, a hugely consequential, important work of art and of observation from one of the worst periods of human history. So if people can just be like, mm, I hate this guy, I hate this work, then like there's somebody out there who's just going to hate you for nothing, nothing. Right. It's so interesting because I love that you said, especially growing up, it's tough. The hormones, the acne, the just struggles in life, finding your place, name all the things on top of it. But it is true because I remember that. I want to be loved. Where is my place in the world? And the, that was like hit my heart there. I'm like, oh, I so remember that. But it is different. And I'm, I'm loving that I feel we're having more conversations around mental health, around things mm-hmm. that happen, around whatever. and. I'm very confident in the next generation. I'm really excited for them that they have like the confidence to say like, no, that's not right. Or no, that's not okay. But it is so true of thinking like, what would your 18 year old self think? I know my 18 year old self would be terrified of who I am. But in the like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. I wish I could be that way. Now, as we wrap this up, I know you just gave such great advice. But what other advice do you have to people that are listening in on the podcast right now? Yeah, I would say... A couple of things. One thing that I realized very quickly was going to be important is that I needed to find a new community. Because when you're in the corporate world, you're surrounded by other people in the corporate world. These are not people who are thinking about how to start a business, how to thrive on their own. They're just not. They're worried about like their jobs and their family and their day-to-day lives. And so in the beginning, when I was kind of like talking to people I knew about starting a business, they aren't really getting it or they didn't really have any sort of meaningful advice because, again, that's not what they're thinking about. Maybe there are a few who have done it and returned to corporate America or who are thinking about doing it. But I knew I needed to find people who were already doing it and could help me do it as well, who would just assume already that my idea was a good idea and here's how you get from A to B. And I think that's such a big paradigm shift. You just have to go out and find those people because they're the people who you won't have to explain yourselves to, you know, or like kind of like hype yourself up to convince them it's a good idea. They're automatically just like, yeah, of course, why wouldn't you work for yourself? There's something I've learned, you know, like you just got to find them. What has helped you find that community? Because that is something where I always get asked, how do you find those people? Good point. One, I joined an entrepreneur circle, which was through the She Hive, which was in Royal Oak. Sadly, they have closed their doors, uh, but that was last year. Had like a twice a month coaching call with like a bunch of us. uh, And there were like maybe a dozen female entrepreneurs who are just getting started. And so that was really helpful and validating just to have kind of a group to go to and to kind of grow with. Uh, Two, I joined Bamboo, uh, which is a co-working space where you and I met, of course. And I'm not great at going to Bamboo. Like, I don't go five days a week. I don't even go three days a week some weeks. Me either. But it has paid for itself with the connections that I've made, you know, the people that I have found who either want to hire me or I've hired them. Just like 
conversations had in the hallway with other people, tons of entrepreneurs there. That has been so valuable just to join and kind of show up and meet people and get talking because they all know each other too. And then they're like, oh, you need to talk to this person. You got, you should talk to Angela. You know what I mean? You need to talk to Laura. Like, okay, yes, yes, I do. And that's the third one as well. I think joining Laura's Elevate Mastermind, I've been in a couple of calls already with my little cohort and then her larger group of women. And it's incredible because they're just normal people, normal women who are kicking ass and making good money. And I I say that they're normal because again, going back to sort of like the people pleasing or self-doubting, it's really easy to beat yourself up and be like, oh, well, the people who are making tons of money, you know, they're younger or thinner or more knowledgeable. They're more expert in these ways or they're better at social media or, you know, like here's this long list of things that now I'm beating myself up for being deficient in. And it's like, no, you don't need any of that. Just like show up, find the people who know how to make that money and do what you need to do and go learn from them. So incredible. It is. It's true. It's you find your people, you find your tribe, so to say. But and if you're not feeling it, get out, find a new one. But I'm so thankful for Bamboo. I'm so thankful for meeting you, of course, too. Lana, thank you so much for being a guest. This was so much fun. For those of you listening, you want to work with LRG Creative, you want to follow her badassness on social media, head to the show notes. All of it will be there. And tune in again next week for another episode of That's Fitness. If you're looking for a career change and you're not sure where to start, the Resume Rescue can help. Sure, there's no such thing as the perfect fit for everyone. But here at the Resume Rescue, we're on a mission to find the perfect solution for you. Whether it's changing careers, updating a resume, learning LinkedIn, or practicing interviewing, we have you covered. Find us online at theresumerescue.com and find all of our contact info in our show notes.